The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You take hold of my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Have you ever dreamed of living someplace else? Um, especially if you're in a, in a bad place. You know, Lori and I have lived in some, some places that we dreamed of living somewhere else. But, you know, being the loner that I am, I've, I've often thought how cool it would be to own your own island, you know, because I, I like lone, lone, alone times, and that would certainly give you some alone times. Um, but Lori and I have played the, the game before. If you could live anywhere... You know, where would you live? And, of course, we have to take Fredericksburg off the table. Uh, but but we, we talk about that from time to time. If you could live anywhere right now, where would you live? And, uh, by the way, we would live separately because her idea of the ideal is different than mine. You know, her terrain and her environment is quite different than mine. She would live near a beach and I would live in the mountains. So... You know, there's very few places on the earth there where a mountain ends and a beach, so we, we would have a difficult time with that one. So, uh, but, but we've, you know, Lori and I have had the opportunity to live in various, not a lot of different places, but, uh, some, you know, three or four different states. We, we lived in, uh, Wyoming, of course, and Colorado for a while, and, and, uh, Oklahoma, and of course the great state of Texas, God's country. And we got to we got to be born here. So anyway, we we've gotten to live in some great cities. Uh, we lived in Dallas, uh, Dallas area, Dallas suburbs. Uh, we got to live in San Antonio, one of my favorite places on earth. And uh, but then we got to live we 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 got to live I say in some of the uh, you know wastelands of of the country. Uh, uh, a forgotten little town that when we moved there, I, I don't know, I think it was population 10 because there was a family of seven that moved there and the population practically doubled. But, you know, Kenton, Oklahoma, you know, population 10, I think, 10 or 12 when we moved there. And uh, and we got, we never got to live, the closest we got to live uh, to a beach was in San Antonio, but we were still a good three hours away and, and uh, the closest we lived... To mountains, we could in Wyoming and Colorado. You would think mountains, but on a very, very clear day, very, very clear day, and you, you could see way off in the 300. I don't know if it's 300 miles, but a long ways off, you could see uh, the Tetons. And so that's the closest we've gotten to live to either either place. Uh, but we've reminisced about these places that we've lived. We've reminisced about uh, fond memories and. Not so fond memories at times, uh, the God moments and, and the troubling times. Uh, we remember the days of our youth. We, uh, we got married and, you know, I, I was 20 and she was 18 moving to Kenton, Oklahoma, the wasteland. And, uh, interesting, uh, uh, place to get to know each other and, uh, and, and continue to fall in love. Uh, we also, so we, we remember the days of our youth and our growing older days, which is, which is now. Um, we associate the places that we've lived a lot of times with, with, uh, you know, these places that we live, we, we associate with God moments. Uh, we associate, you know, Kenton, Oklahoma was our first place together, and when we think back, 
uh, we've talked about Kenton before, and we think of those days, even though they turned out to be uh, hurtful and disappointing, uh, if it weren't for God's presence so strong in our lives, I probably at 21 by then, years old, would have quit the ministry. Uh, but it reminds me, I was thinking about this as I was developing this message yesterday, I was thinking about that old Beatles song, There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, some forever, not for better, some have gone and some remain. All these places have their moments with lovers and friends I still can recall. Some are dead and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. Those are great words. Those are great poets of their day. But uh, great words, and you're humming that in your mind, I know, aren't you? I almost sang the last line. But the places that we remember, you know, and, and great and fond memories and things change and things are different, but we, we think back of those times. And the places in my life that have their moments are because God was there. The message, this message this morning came to me in, in a bit of an unusual way. And uh, I think about the book of Hebrews that says that God speaks to us. His word comes at in various ways and at different times. And sometimes with, with me, and, and it's been a while since it's worked this way, but sometimes with me, it, it, you know, the message that God gives me comes in strange ways and in, in, uh, putting things together. Uh, that God's trying to put together in my mind. Because as, as this song said, you know, God, there, there are times when God is, is, is moving around us and singing and dancing and all these kinds of things, but we're unaware. And there's sometimes when God's trying to get through to us, because we're so unaware, God has to, uh, sometimes kind of hit us across the face with a tuba for. But, uh, this message, uh, was put together sort of in that way. The, 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 it came from kind of various angles and various ways. Uh, first of all, I remembered a message I preached last March. Uh, the title of the message was Right Here, Right Now. And uh, the right here part never really, I never really got away from that. I, I kind of been pondering that ever since that message from last March, the right here part. And uh, then, then there was a, I was reading in a book about five days ago uh, during lunch. I had a, had a book. Uh, I was reading it and, and there was a paragraph that just jumped out at me that kind of sort of fit that message last year. And then uh, a day or two later, I was reading, I was, um, I was listening to an old recording from one of my hero preachers from 40 years ago. The man's been dead since 1993, I think. Old man. Uh, but, uh, great, great preacher. And I came across some of his recordings and I was listening to it in the car the other day and there was a paragraph, paragraph he said that again was kind of fitting this whole, this whole idea. And then Wednesday night, uh, my, I received a prophecy from my daughter that kind of put it all together. And so it was one of those things where it was like a, you know, bam, 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 you know, all of a sudden God's saying the same thing. And I thought, I can't ignore this. You know, it's one of those times when, you know, God could have said it one way, but he had to say it several ways for me to kind of get the point and get the picture. And so what I, I don't want, I want to do this message justice because I, I, I know what I feel on the inside about it. But I found myself, usually when I'm, when I'm writing a message and writing some notes, I'm not at a loss for what to write. Sometimes I can sit down and write ten pages of notes in, in half an hour. 
you know, just and, and I'm done. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's just grappling with it and trying to get across, put on paper what God's saying to me in my spirit. And this is one of those times I came out late last night out of my little, my, my little hole, my little cave, and I told Lori last night, I said, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. I, I don't, I don't know. I, and so I'm just asking Lord to help me this morning to get across to you what he wants to say because I feel like that this is important, uh, in the way that God brought it to me. And the, and the, uh, so I hope to do justice this morning. Uh, I kept hearing the same word over and over again in various ways and at different times. And the word was place, P-L-A-C-E, place. And so I hope to do justice. Before God ever created man, he prepared a place for him. It's called earth. Let me show you a verse here. This is has become one of my favorite verses uh, in the last few years in uh, Psalm 115, verse 16. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. I love that verse. There's, it says, you know, earth is God's great gift to us. And uh, the word, the earth he has given to the children of man, the, the word man is there is Adam, Adam. Adam is both a personal name, but it is also a collective noun. Uh, so it can be translated Adam, or it can be translated mankind. But the earth he has given to the children of man, the children of Adam, the children of, of you know, he's given it to humanity, he's given it to us. But more than that, God didn't just give us the earth as our place, our habitation, but God created the man, and he... Wherever he created the man, we don't really know. We know he created him somewhere on earth, out of the ground, out of the earth. But he didn't create him in Eden. The Bible tells us that God created the man and then he, then he planted, chronologically, then he planted a garden eastward in Eden. And the Bible says he took the man and he, he put him, well here's the verse in Genesis 2, 8. The Bible says, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God had made the man somewhere, and then God took the man, and he gave him a place. He gave him a place. I was looking at Google Earth last night. I uh, had come across uh, Google Earth has, has a lot of bells and whistles. You can get a free version of it, but if you want all the bells and whistles, you have to pay $400 a year subscription. Well, yesterday I started offering the $400 subscription free, so I jumped on that. Downloaded Google Earth, and I'm, I don't know if you've ever been on there before, but you're looking at the world, and you can kind of spin it around and stuff. You can kind of play God. It's kind of fun. But you kind of, kind of spin it around, and I was looking at it, and, and I zoomed in on the, on the Western Hemisphere, and, and then, I, then I zoomed in on North America, and then I zoomed in on, on Texas, and then I zoomed in on Gillespie County, and then I zoomed in on Fredericksburg, and then I zoomed in on the street that I lived on, and then I zoomed in on my house, and I could see my garage and my pickup in my driveway. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm kind of playing God here. And I thought to myself as I looked at that, I thought, you know, this is not, this is not the Eden, but it's my Eden. You know? I got a little bit of a picture of what it must have been like for Adam. Out of the whole world that God created, God was saying... This is the place I want you to be. 
This is where I want you to be. You see, place is important in the Bible. Geography is important. One of the most important parts, you know, you've heard, you know, in, in the story of Abram, one of the most important parts of God's promise to Abram was, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you a piece of land. And that's going to be your place. And I'm going to give it to you and to your children. A land to call your own, a place, a home. Place is important. It's so important that even God said, God told Moses, He said, I want you to make me a place on earth. I want you to make me a, a, a sanctuary. I want you to make me a temple, a, a house. Because I want to live among you. So build me a house so that I can live among you. I want a place there. God wanted a place. Then later on, Jesus tells the disciples, He said, I know your heart's troubled right now. He said, but don't worry. He said, I'm going ahead. I'm going to prepare a what place for you. So we find that place is very, very important. We can't ignore the value of place in our lives. So let me try to define this for you. And I struggle with this one. Kind of a definition of, of what I'm feeling and seeing. I, I mean, I know it in here. It's hard to get across what, what I need to say about it. But let me try to define it for you. And again, let's go back to the beginning. For Adam, this place, Eden, had to do with his relationship with God, his relationship to his world, and his relationship to others. In other words, for Adam, the place was where he would walk with God as he worked the earth, growing in fellowship with others. In other words, to put it one other way, Place was about worship, work, and I couldn't think of a W. And I thought two out of the three are start with W, so I tried my best. I spent ten minutes on, in a thesaurus trying to find a word that would come close to relationship and start with a W. There's not, nothing. So I chose wonder for relationship. You know why? Because when I got married, I, you know, she's full of wonder. You know, sometimes I look at her and I... I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder how she's feeling. I wonder if I'm in trouble. I wonder these things. And when everything is right, it's wonderful. You know, so wonder is a good word. So <laughs> place is about worship, work, and wonder. And let me add one more W to it, but it's not as much as what I want to say today as something I want to say in the future. But let me give you one other W, and again, it was actually three out of the four words start with W, so I had to get that one with a W. I'm, I'm usually not, alliteration is not a big deal with me, but this time it was. Uh, but let me add one more, widen. In other words, Adam was to widen or expand Eden to the rest of the world. He was to widen his experience the garden of God, the presence of God, he was to widen it to the rest of the world. Here's a great verse on that in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your house, your place, your habitation. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. In other words, let's, let's fill the earth. Let's enlarge, widen the place of our tent. But I'm going to move on from that. So 
place is your domain where you become what God wants you to be? In worship, in work, in wonder, in widening the influence of God. Worshiping, serving, working, toiling, enjoying, loving, enlarging. And all the while, walking with God in all of this. It's really not about where you are, but what you're doing in the where that you are. Let me say that again. It's not really about where you are, but what you're doing in the where that you are. Get that? You see, it could be anywhere of God's choosing. Now, let me talk about God's choosing here, because we have to nail, nail this down if we really want to understand the where. Here's where we have to trust God that He knows what's best for us. You see, I happen to believe that Genesis is, well, it's Genesis. It's, it's the beginning. It's the origin. And uh, that we can understand a great deal about God and about us from the first few chapters of the Bible. That's why I spend, I encourage you to spend a lot of time in those stories of, of, of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, chapters 1, 2 and 3, moving on to chapter 5 and chapter 12, and some of those great, great stories, because it tells us a whole lot about our God, tells us a whole lot about ourselves. And so I spend a lot of time there, and you, you hear me in messages refer back to the beginning, because it's about our origin, our beginning. And so we can learn a lot about place, and we can learn a lot about God and, and man when we read what he says in the beginning. So, again, let me remind you that God took the man and he put him in a place, in a certain place. And that same God who took the first man, put him in Eden, now takes us and plants us in Fredericksburg, Texas. Our Eden. Adam wasn't meant to be any place else but Eden. God didn't open the whole wide world to him and say, ah, just pick your spot, it doesn't matter. God didn't just, you know, I could have taken Google Earth and spun the globe, closed my eyes and pointed to a place and said, ah, that's where I want to be. That's where I want. God didn't do that. He didn't just spin the globe. But God found a specific place, made a garden there, planted a garden eastward in Eden, put man there. This is the best place for you. God made a fruitful place for him, and God planted him there, and then he commanded him, now get busy. Start working. And I believe God does the same with us. Have you ever wondered, I've had these philosophical thoughts sometimes. Have you ever wondered why you were born here in the United States, and not in Pakistan, or Thailand, or Nairobi, or pick a spot? Or how you even ended up in Fredericksburg. I know some of you were probably born and raised here, but how you ended up here. Let me tell you, God put you here. You may say, no, I came here on my own accord. Well, you know, you just keep thinking that. <laughs> and God is smiling and just kind of winking. Okay. You just keep thinking that. Listen, if that's your theology, you'll have a very difficult time ever taking root in the place of your habitation and getting busy doing what you're supposed to do. You know why? Because there will always be that temptation to go and find the will of God someplace else. You hear what I'm saying? 
If you don't understand that God put me here for a specific reason, that this right now is my Eden, and God is saying, commanding me, go and do something with it, if that is not your theology, that God didn't put you here, I'm just here temporarily, I'm still looking for that place, then you'll never take root and get busy doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, Joseph didn't choose to be in Egypt. But you know what he did? He made the most of where he was. And guess what? By the way, he saved the world in doing that. Joseph had the first Feed the World project. Everybody knew Joseph. The world knew Joseph. Because even though Joseph didn't choose to be in Egypt, and later, by the way, Joseph said, God put me here. Paraphrasing it, but he said, you meant this for evil, but God wove this thing, and he manipulated this thing. That's what he word. The Hebrew word, God meant, the word meant there means weaving. God put this thing together. He wove this together, and I'm here. And I made the most of it, and I saved the world because of it. In Egypt? Yes, in Egypt. And for, for Joseph, Egypt was his Eden. He served God, and he worked hard. And he got to know people. And it seemed, seemed to be God's way. I, I mentioned Abram earlier. God told Abram, he said, I've got a place for you and your eventual children. You know what happened? Now this might surprise you. You know what happened when God said, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to give it to your children. Your children's going to, the children of Israel, they're going to inhabit this land, the twelve tribes. But you know what happened when they finally conquered Canaan? God inaugurated the first lottery. Do you, do you know that? that? That God said your, your inheritance is going, to, is going to be by lot. If you read Joshua chapters 18 and 19, it says specifically, the lot was cast and this part went to this tribe, and the lot was cast and this part went to that tribe, and the lot was cast and this part went to that tribe. In other words, they didn't get to choose. God said, you're going to be here, you're going to be there, you're going to be there, you're by lot. The word lot that we still use today has been used for millennia. I mean, it's, it's as ancient as the Bible. They cast lots. A lot is something that was used in ancient times to determine someone's share of something, and especially land. Pebbles would be used, or maybe they would write somebody's name on a stick, and it would be drawn randomly. Or a method that's familiar with, that we're familiar with today is, is drawing straws. That's why I had to break this, uh, I couldn't find straws, so I found, I found, I got these, I got these knives, and they're not gonna work very well. But anyway, cause I can't cover up the, the short one. But anyway, so here, that's the short one. As you know, cause it's kinda, it has no base. <laughs> it's just kinda dangling like that. But anyway, you know, we're familiar with drawing straws, so you have these, you have these, uh, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, <laughs> it was going to be a great illustration, but it messed up. But anyway, well, we're familiar with that. So the, so the word lot came to be known as, as both the method that's used, casting of lots, pebbles, sticks with your name on it, drawing straws, that kind of thing. It was both the method, but it also became known as it came to be stand for the for the land itself you know when when you 
when you, uh, if you're going to build a house, you first of all go look for what? A lot. It's called a lot for that reason. That's the origin of that word because in ancient times, land was distributed by lot. It's where we get our word lottery or, or lotto. So God inaugurated the first lottery. Now I said all that to say that it was God's choice because Proverbs says the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing of it is from God. Look at, look at this passage in Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You take hold of my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, I love that line. I had to change that a little bit because, uh, you know, when I was looking at the different translations, one of the translations says the Hebrew says this. So I changed it to what the Hebrew says. This is, that underlined part is what the Hebrew says. I think the King James Version says, Thou maintainest my lot. Um, and another one says, You hold my lot. You support my lot. Whatever. But the Hebrew is, You take hold of my lot. And that one got me. When I, when I read that, I, I began to understand. Because if you can imagine with me, let's say you're, you're about to draw straws, and I'm not going to use this because it's just going to fall apart in my hand, but let's say you're, you're about to draw straws, and you know that one of these straws represents some prime land and you know one of your dream places, and another one, eh, not so good, and wasteland over here. And so, so you've got these straws, and you're about to choose, and wherever you choose is going to be your lot. That's going to be it. That's what... Children of Israel went through in Joshua 18 and 19. This lot was theirs, and this lot, one of them was maybe a very fertile area with the Jordan River flowing through it, and another one was craggy rocks, you know. Who knew? So you're about to draw straws, and so you reach out to take, you know, with a shaky hand and anxiousness in your heart, you reach out to take your straw, and suddenly God's hand reaches in there and snags it. You take hold of my lot God reaches in there and snags it and says, let's just say I know what's best for you. That's, I, I love that. That's what this is saying. You take hold of my lot. You're in control of my lot. David is saying, you know, it doesn't matter what I want or what I choose or my dream place. I trust God so much that I know He has taken hold of my lot. Now, we can rebel against that and we can say, hey, I don't want God intervening in my life. I want to choose for myself like my dad, Adam and Eve did. My dad and mom, Adam and Eve did. That's what they, that's what they wanted. Eden was okay, but this, this snake is telling us there's something better. There might be something better out there. We're going to, we're going to be as wise as God and we're going to be able to figure things out for ourselves and maybe Eden's not so good. The angels sort of did the same thing. In the book of Jude, uh, verse 6, there is no, there's only one chapter in Jude. It says, you also know that the angels who did not keep within their proper domain, but abandoned their own place of residence, he has kept in eternal chains. See, the angels did that. The angels had a domain. They had a place. God set things in place. Told, even so, we find a wonderful passage, I think, in the Psalms or Job 1 that says, God says, I even set a boundary for the ocean, you can own, the seas, you can only come here and this is your boundary. 
I don't know where the angel's domain was, but wherever it was, they thought they knew better, so they left it. Those angels didn't stay where they were put. And God had told them, these are the lines of your boundaries, but they crossed those lines, thinking there might be something better out there. Listen, Eden was our purpose. Trying to break out of it remains our constant downfall. Eden was our purpose. Trying to break out of it remains our constant downfall. And to always be looking at some other place or some better place or it might be better over there or, you know, I might find the will of God there and I'm not happy here or whatever, that is tantamount to saying that I'm trying to break out of where God has placed me now. And as long as you're there, as long as that's your heart, you'll never get planted and never bear fruit in the place of God's choosing. And just as in Eden, walking with God is found here within our lot, our place, and not somewhere else. God, Adam didn't walk with God in the cool of the day outside of Eden. He walked with God in the cool of the day in the place God had placed him. It's not somewhere else. It's right here. True joy is not about the where, but the who of the where. This means that Right here, where we are, is where God will be found. It's not about wandering until I find the place. You know, Lori and I have moved a lot of times. We weren't necessarily trying to find the place. But there might have been some of that because there were times when we weren't satisfied. and Or I wasn't. And I won't blame her for that. There were a lot of times she was sitting in the living room floor crying when I was trying to find the right place. Because she didn't want to go where I wanted to go. It's not about wandering until you find the place, but walking with God and serving Him in the place of His choosing. That old great preacher I mentioned to you that I used to listen to when I was a teen, a great, great man of God. I came across, a friend Jack McCarty sent me a, a place where you could download a lot of his old recordings, 433 of them. I downloaded them. I'm listening to him one by one. It's going to take me years, but I'm listening to him. But I like what he said the other day. Here's what he said. We need for the big hand of God to take a benign rubber mallet and hit us squarely on the top of our noggin and drive us into the ground and say, you're where you belong. I like that. Let me conclude. Here is our place. This lot that has been given to us. I almost call this a simple recipe for life, uh, but instead I, I called it, You Take Hold of My Lot, the title of this message. But here's the simple recipe. We've been given a place to be, some things to do, and people to share it with. A place to be, some things to do, and people to share it with, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. God gave them a place to be, some things to do, and they were big things, by the way, and the people to share it with. The biggest difficulty is seeing God in our lot, in our place. As the song said, the last song, God doing this 
when we're unaware. When Adam and Eve were off fraternizing with the devil, trying to scheme about how to escape Eden, where was God? I've never thought about this till this morning as we were standing there, and I grabbed my phone and I looked it up in my own my Bible program on my phone, and I looked up that verse because I thought, where was God? The assumption was that God was up there and that at some point in the evening he came down and discovered what happened. That's not what the verse said. It said, after they had sinned, then they heard the sound of God. It made me think that God was there all along. But now all of a sudden, boom, they're aware. God is there. Hear, hear what I'm saying. See, This was God's garden in the first place. Adam was allowed to come here and live there and be that be his place as well. But it was called the garden of God. God walked there in his garden. I kind of think he was probably there all along watching. But but while Adam and Eve were grabbing for what they thought was life, they ignored the God who was there. Does that sound familiar? That while we're out grabbing for life, we forget the God who is there? That God is there, that we're unaware, that that's where the real difficulty is. In other words, enjoying His presence in our everyday life, in our toils, sensing His presence. You see, David learned the secret. One last verse, the verse we started with, put that back up there. That's, yeah. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. See, David said, the Lord is my chosen portion. The Lord is my chosen place. The Lord is my chosen habitation, my dwelling place. I've chosen Him to be my portion. So the where doesn't matter. The geography doesn't matter. Because I've already made my choice. That the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. And so therefore, if, if God wants to take hold of my lot, it's okay. Because... Then I know the lines, and think boundary lines here, because that's the, that's the concept here. The boundary lines, my boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, you know, I try to find the background of this psalm, and nobody really knows, but one, one idea is that this was written when David was on the run from Saul. So David is saying, if that's true, David is saying here, not when he got the kingdom and he's sitting back, and enjoying luxury, but David was saying, look, doesn't matter. I've chosen the Lord as my portion, my cup, and therefore the boundary lines for me are in pleasant places. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, the difficult times I'm going through. I can say, because the Lord is my portion and my cup, I have a beautiful inheritance. Because my inheritance is not this place, it's the Lord. David got up every morning and worked within the lines that had fallen to him. But he found joy there. Maybe in just small things like breathing and sunshine and shade and a little food. You know, sometimes we gorge ourselves on food. We'll go to restaurants probably and try to get home before the Super Bowl and we'll gorge ourselves on food this afternoon and then sometimes complain about it. David was satisfied with the meager portion he could find. There were times when running from Saul, he couldn't find much to eat. And so he rejoiced with God when he did find it. 
The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So maybe in the small things, like breathing and sunshine and shade and a little food and helpful neighbors or child's laughter or... He also found God in the struggles with Saul and and the struggles with his own son. So here's the conclusion. Settle into where you are. Do what you're supposed to do. And enjoy God and others to his glory. It's a simple message. It's one we need to hear often because we do get busy and we do get start grabbing for our stuff and doing our thing. And we're unaware to enjoy walking with God in the midst of all of this. I think God was disappointed when God is there to walk with Adam and he sees Adam and Eve and he sees them over there grabbing for something they thought was more. God had said, I've given you all these trees. And they said, we want one more. I've given you all this. And we say, yeah, but we want one more. We've got to have this. Enjoy God.